Hello, and welcome back to Real Time Strategy, the podcast all about the gaming industry, um, hosted by two PR professionals. I'm one of your co-hosts, Caitlin Redwing, joined once again by my co-host, Sam Moser. Thank you for tuning in. Um, today, it's it's just us. We don't have a guest. We are just going to talk about some news that has been going on in the past week. Lots of big stuff, including the Microsoft Activision acquisition, Disney potentially buying EA or another game studio, the Unity CEO stepping down, which probably is a shock to nobody. Um, so it'll be a nice little a nice little chat. But before we begin with all that, I put this in our outline because I need help um, on Halloween. Sam, what are you being for Halloween? And help me find figure out a costume. <laughs> Caitlin, it is an honor to be asked that by you. Um, I feel like, especially because we share a pop culture brain, um, last year, so so I'm once again doing a couple's costume with my girlfriend, who will be delighted, I believe, is now getting her first shout-out on the Real-Time Strategy podcast. Um, we were uh, doing a riff last year, or we did a riff last year, on the Nicole Kidman AMC ad, uh, where... Rather than she dressing as Nicole Kidman, I dressed as Nicole Kidman with the the open bedazzled suit and the bedazzled pants. Uh, and she was an AMC employee. We carried around buckets of popcorn and sodas, which was great for Halloween. Uh, so this year we wanted to do something else pop culture related. Uh, and we've landed on uh, one of our favorite TV shows, The Bear. Uh, I am going to be Carmi. And she is going to dress as the bear from his hallucin <laughs> hallucination sequences where he sees a bear in the middle of Chicago. <laughs> Wait, I love that. Are you going to have like the weird, like, just get like a dog cage and just reenact that whole, like, just <laughs> reshoot the whole scene? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, the, the next step is investing in or not investing in, but picking up fake tattoos um, because I'm definitely mm. lacking all the very cool arm tattoos that uh, Jeremy Allen White is rocking in that show. Oh, um, I wonder if you can but like on actually... that note, so, uh, you know, pop culture trending thing. We also talked about Succession, which I know you're a fan of, and that just ended yes. this year. So I'll just like shop off the mm -hmm. ideas we didn't use. <laughs> I need to like, I just need to like make myself a note. Oh, I didn't. Do even you think have of Succession? That's so good. And uh, like a couple ideas on the top of your head. Well, I. Yes. So I think I told you, or I've told somebody, last year I was Grace from Ready or Not, which yes. is the horror film. She's like, yeah, got have like the shotgun shells, the wedding dress that's like all ripped up. I've got my Converse that are like super dingy and dirty purposely. Um, and at the end of that film, she is like drenched head to toe in blood. And I was like, I can dye it red, but then I would have to like, drench myself in blood and i'm like that's like <laughs> dirty and do i want to be that like while i'm just like giving away like candy and stuff or do i want something that's going to be a little bit easier so i was just like looking through my closet i'm like i also have a lightsaber because obviously and i was mm. like i could do anakin i'm like i could do like a scar like pin my hair like the half the half bob um I could just be a normal Jedi. I don't have to be Anakin. I just like love Anakin. Anakin's good, relevant because of Ahsoka. And also, again, two halves of the same brain. I was a Anakin for Halloween like 
10, <laughs> 15 years ago. <laughs> oh, the 10, 15. Yeah, actually, I probably was too when I was a child and obsessed with Anakin. <laughs> and now I'm an adult and I'm obsessed with Anakin once again. He's relevant again. It's, it's all good. He, he is. And Hayden Christensen deserves all the love and all the support. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know. Those are the two that are on my on my mind. I didn't think about succession. I'm like, I probably have like a Shiv power suit. I don't have Shiv's hair. I could probably order That's hard a wig to do. real quick. <laughs> it is. It is hard. Um, no one can be Sarah Snook other than Sarah Snook. But, oh, but succession is fun a, just because there's so many Instagram captions you can have for your costume. Oh like God, there's so many so good many. quotes you can pull from. <laughs> I just, I need the Greg to my Tom yeah <laughs> <laughs> like that, that's that's what i would do actually if i like could do a succession costume it would be tom and greg yeah can't break can't make a tomlet without breaking a few gregs yeah absolutely <laughs> Where, who's the nero to my sporus like yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay i have lots to think about i i'm gonna noodle on it this week but i was oh, i love yours and katie's just like costumes are just so funny We'll have to let me reference the uh, the 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 schedule. We of course post weekly on Wednesdays now. November first, we'll have to do a follow up. I we'll have to give the listeners an answer on what you landed on. And if we we almost last minute pivoted this weekend because we um, that Planet of the Base music video got like reserved yeah. in our U- YouTube algorithm. For those who don't know, this was like a parody Eurovision song that went very, very viral on Twitter and YouTube and Instagram and like just everywhere um, in August. And the outfits are pretty iconic, uh, but we'd already doubled down and purchased the bear goods. So we're going to stick with that. Um, but I hope to see people rocking the Planet of the Base uh, music video costumes this Halloween. That like feels like such a deep cut. <laughs> See, that's what we were worried about. Is people who get it will get it, but hopefully more people have seen the bear. Hashtag Hulu, please renew it for season three. Uh, that's a whole nother conversation. Oh, I'm sure they will. I feel like I was saying the planet of the base was like the deep cut to me. Um, the bear, <laughs> I feel like a lot of people are going to get that. They should get that. If you haven't watched the bear, go watch the bear. Sam told me a year to go to watch it and I didn't. It took me a full year to do it. <laughs> Hey, you and got around was, to it. Yes, chef. I got around to it and I got to, yes, chef. And I got to <laughs> binge it and I got to binge both seasons this summer. It was great. And it consumed like my ever waking thought. Um, it is, it deserves all the hype. It's fantastic. Ayo Edabiri is like one of my favorite up and coming actors right now. Um, everybody, I mean, everybody in that show is incredible. I don't want to spoil like any of the the surprise cameos, but like, especially in season two, there's some really cool people who joined the show. Um, anyways, I, I won't, I won't talk about the bear anymore, but listen to Sam's recommendations when he gives them. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate to, that. That's a note to everybody and to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, speaking of recommendations, was it, was it Joseph who we were talking about final fantasy? Yes. yes. Final fantasy seven remake. Yeah. I, I have downloaded it. I've downloaded it and I have started it. I'm not Thought so far. far. I I like it. It looks amazing. I, I'm not far at all. I have like literally just like started it and that I I've been reading a book and I that that's also consumed my entire life. Um it's it's babble for anybody 
who's interested. I'm really in the dark academia like vibe right now. It's so I've got, let me know how that is. That's on my reading list. Yeah. It's if you like languages and I mean, I think RF Kuang is one of the like smartest authors out there. I'm really diverting topics here, but um, (laughs) she really does like, she shows how languages intertwine with like society and capitalism is not the word I'm looking for. Um, Ew. People came over the Mayflower, the British empire. What is the word I'm talking about? Colonialism. Colonialism. Thank you. Yes. How language has power and how it is intertwined with like colonialism and just, I'm I'm not doing this justice because I haven't put together my thoughts yet, but if, if you're interested in those kind of dynamics, but also like a really cool magic system and like a magical school, which for those who don't know, it's like it's Oxford in the 1830s, but there's a magical element to it. And the School of Babel is the students that it's a small select students. They specialize in languages. They create these like silver stones by using like the etymology of words to like to make um, a fishing ship, like collect more ship. But it, it's really in-depth and it just kind of makes you feel dumb if you're a mono language <laughs> person who doesn't know anything else. You're like, holy cow, languages are so cool and so impressive. Um, but yeah, I it's a long book, but I have been like flying through it. And in all my spare time, that's kind of what I've been doing right now. Nice. Yeah, I'm playing Final Fantasy VII Remake as well. I am over two, two-thirds through it, so I am on track to finish it before Rebirth. Um, thank you for the recommendation on Babel. That sounds great. It reminds me of a game I want to check out from this year called Chance of Sonar. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it, and I'll send some B-roll to our producer to pull up right now. It's a Focus Interactive published game. It's a stu- it's like a small team of just like two full-time guys and then a couple other contractors they hired to help with other parts of the game. But uh, it's gotten comparisons to Return of the Oberdin. Um, case of the golden golden idol some other like puzzle mystery games where the the premise of this one is you're in a like an ancient society uh ascending this tower and on each tower uh a la the tower of babel uh they speak a different language so you're trying to decode the 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 script or the you know the written form of the language on each each floor in order to progress and it's gotten acclaim i i read about it in jason schreier's bloomberg newsletter last friday um they've covered it on the besties and game makers toolkit did an excellent video on it um that we'll link to in the description if anybody wants to check that out so anyway uh language is on the mind <laughs> really interesting yeah i want to check this out since we're yeah on the topic of the Tower of Babel. Is there Indian influence in this game? It, or I'll have is, to look is, at is the background the right of the developers. Of you know, yeah, that's not Sonar a word I'm familiar with. India? Yeah, Sonar is a city in India. Oh, it's spelled differently. I'm just thinking. Okay. Of, okay. Never mind. I was confusing words. See, language. <laughs> Interesting. Different spellings. I think same pronounce pronunciation. I could be incorrect there. Don't take my word for it. Um, I will. I will check that game out. I say every episode. <laughs> hey, it wouldn't list. be an episode of real time strategy if I didn't get you to add something to your Steam <sighs> wish list 
or somebody yeah, went and, and got some or like some <laughs> some or my watch list like okay <laughs> book list movie list it's like you said we share the same brain of like popular culture and tend to like similar things um, yeah except for licorice pizza but that's a <laughs> that's a topic for another day that'll be the the <laughs> thousandth episode of Re- real-time strategy will be the licorice pizza debate <laughs> Okay, I will say, I think that might have been my first Paul Thomas Anderson movie, which I know crazy. It's just whatever. Oh, wow. But I watched. I watched. Um, oh my goodness! There I will be blood. Boogie Nights. No, Magnolia. no, Threads. Threads. Um, <laughs> oh, Phantom Thread. Fan- Phantom Thread. I'm like, was about to really praise that movie and be like, it's one of my favorite movies ever, and then I forgot the name. That's ADHD. <laughs> that's not lack of this movie. That was one of the greatest movies I ever saw. And I watched that this year and I was like, okay, wait. I was like, I have to rethink my thoughts on Paul Thomas Anderson and go watch his other films because, yeah, Licorice Pizza is not the not the best first PTA movie for me. But I, I'm glad I gave him another shot. And my thoughts on that movie do not not the same as my thoughts on the director i'll just say that well thousandth episode we'll do like we'll do a sam versus caitlin we'll just like talk about that movie for it'll be any, great full, it'll full be like PTA a bonus interview yeah. yeah a full <laughs> bonus episode um we'll just do a pta series for the two people that are watching this and are like yeah i really want to know their thoughts on this really specific <laughs> movie director that has nothing to do with video games that should be like our sub slogan, like uh, <laughs> podcast, all about video games, except for when it isn't. And that's often. <laughs> that's my, my letterbox bio is a uh, host of a video game podcast where I force conversations about movies. I, I'm sorry. You totally cut out for me because my internet is being weird. Sorry. What was your, say that again. <laughs> I said uh, my letterbox bio is a host of video game podcasts where I host where I force conversations about movies. <laughs> I love it. Put that on my tombstone. I should just well, add it to my LinkedIn. I guess it should be time to talk about video games, though. I had a couple transitions in mind. I was like, oh, you know, in addition to adding to our watch list, add to your game list, games list, all the Activision games are about to come to Game Pass. Um, earlier, when we were talking about couples costumes, I was like, some gamers out there should be Lilith and then Master Chief representing the... Oh, stop. <laughs> I would love to be Lilith. Oh, and Master I... Chief. Wait, that's so good. That would be good. <laughs> Wait, you need to like start dropping your transitions in so that I like tee you up because otherwise (laughs) I'm just going to keep going on a tangent until I eventually find my way back to our topic, which like you said, time to talk about video games. Um, I know this is, this is like your topic. If you want to kind of get us started with Microsoft and Activision, I will say a quick disclaimer though. Blizzard is our client. Um, We know nothing. So whatever we're like talking about and speculating about the Microsoft and Microsoft and Activision acquisition. That's a mouthful. Um, This is truly not insider information. We don't know. So do not take any of this as fact. It's not, I promise. Yeah. We're purely taking here more of a high level look at what this means for Microsoft and Xbox's strategy is somebody who has paid attention to the three pillars of consoles for as long as I can remember. Um, this is, as everyone has noted and covered for almost the last two years, a huge seismic shift. And we finally uh, closed the first chapter of it 
if you will. At the end of last week, this comes from Tom Warren at The Verge. Microsoft completes Activision Blizzard acquisition, Call of Duty now part of Xbox. Microsoft has finalized its $68.7 billion deal to require Activision Blizzard, the publisher of Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, and Diablo. The Verge exclusively reported last week that Microsoft was planning to close today. Today being, this was on, let me check my calendar, Friday, October 13th, and now it's official. The acquisition required 20 months. I also go to Axios. Um, who I believed said it was 633 days. Um, so 633 days later, uh, it's been confirmed after battles with regulators in the UK and US, but Microsoft has closed the deal after defeating the Federal Trade Commission in a US federal court and restructuring the deal to appease the CMA in the UK. Uh, Phil Spencer tweeted, we love gaming, we play games, create games, and know firsthand how much gaming means to all of us as individuals and collectively as a community. And today we officially welcome Activision Blizzard and their teams to Xbox. As one team, we'll learn, innovate, and continue to deliver on our promise to bring the joy and community of gaming to more people. We'll do this in a culture that strives to empower everyone to do their best work, where all people are welcome and is centered on our ongoing commitment of gaming for everyone. So of course, like partly what he's hinting at here is this part of this deal into a piece of regulators is that they're planning on bringing Call of Duty to Nintendo Switch platforms for the next 10 years. Um, of course, uh, they sold the cloud gaming rights to Activision Blizzard titles to Ubisoft in all territories outside of the EU. Um, there will be, I mean, the mission of Game Pass is just to put it on many services and platforms as possible. Um, so... Now that this is confirmed and happening, Caitlin, what does this mean for Microsoft and its position in the gaming industry? <laughs> That's a great question. I would love to know. Um, <laughs> to me, they're just going to make so much money. It's stupid. <laughs> like, it's actually, I like, I can't even wrap my head around how much money Microsoft is going to make off this deal and the fact that it got like approved, even with what they had to like change with the deal. I mean, Call of Duty is already uh, in the t like the 10th most um, profitable franchises. And then they just added like how many more? Like think of just all the Activision titles. It's, it's crazy. Overwatch, Candy Crush. We can't forget the King aspect. Like mobile makes so much money that people I think often forget about. Um, it's like the, the dark horse, I guess you'd say. Um, it's, it will be interesting to see how Microsoft goes forward. I mean, obviously they have to keep Call of Duty on all platforms for, did they say how many years? Did you mention that? Uh, 10 years was their 10, commitment. 10 years. Okay. So yeah, Call of Duty for 10 years on all platforms. Honestly, that will probably go by so fast. Um, but that deal did not extend to other franchises. We don't know what they're going to do with the other ones. I wouldn't be surprised if they start moving some of them to Xbox only. Like, does Overwatch become an Xbox exclusive game? I mean, especially these like these franchises that have already dedicated in huge fan bases and communities, they're going to follow it. Like, if they don't have an Xbox and be overwatch I'll, I'll just continue to use overwatch as an example and overwatch becomes an xbox exclusive yeah they're they're going to get a lot of people who switch over and will probably purchase an xbox for it um 
same with World of Warcraft. I'm I'm not sure how that one would work just because of the MMO aspect and how huge it is. Does it does it go to console? Does it stay on PC? Um, I'm not not entirely sure how that one will work, but yeah, it's it's interesting. I yeah, I, I think we'll start to see some exclusives happen, and we know Blizzard is working on a new title. Who knows? Maybe that the strat was it a strategy. Um, Strategy yeah, survival I, kind of survival. Title. Thank you. Yes. Um, we don't know anything more about that, but maybe when that one gets closer to launch, it's an exclusive and that's just more money in Microsoft's pocket. It'll be interesting because obviously exclusivity was so central to the conversations that were happening at in the FTC trial over the summer. And I think what we're going to end up seeing is, you know, because both examples were cited in the trial and I don't think they were just completely like blowing smoke up our ass here because I do think there's truth to somewhere in the middle of Mo Yang with the Mike uh, with the Minecraft mm-hmm. acquisition at this point I believe like over a decade ago and then the Bethesda uh, or Zenimax acquisition in 2020 um, whereas we've seen with you know Zenimax it's pure exclusivity Star Starfield is only on Xbox platforms you know you can also play it on PC um, but you can't get it on your PlayStation. Same with Redfall early, earlier this year. Um, you know, I, I, whatever the next game from, you know, Arcane Leon who made Deathloop, of course, that PlayStation exclu- exclusivity deal was sealed, signed and sealed before, um, that acquisition went through, but I think their next game will be on Xbox only. However, with Mojang and Minecraft, it was obviously fortuitous for them to keep that that game on as many platforms as possible because um, the the door to walk into Minecraft is is relatively like low, and by that I mean like it's a it's a fairly inexpensive game, and Minecraft revenue is made best by people continually playing it, and you know the microtransactions raised by the updates and the costumes for your characters and then even most interestingly we've seen with like some of the spin-offs like minecraft dungeons uh was still on you know that came to switch and i believe to playstation as well so i think it'll be a case-by-case basis here thing with activision like i would not be surprised come 10 years from now if call of duty or i should say 15 years from now call of duty is still coming out on playstation consoles the most interesting one for me is how how long are they going to stick this this switch skew through? Because Lord <laughs> knows, I mean, I, I don't know if you are nostalgic for these days, Caitlin, but I remember when the Call of Duty games used to come out on the Wii um, back in like the late 2000s, yes. and it looked nothing like the other Call of Duty games. No, not at all. <laughs> um, I was a Nintendo console only household. So I, one of my first Call of Duty games I'm trying to remember which one it was. I think it was one of like the World War ones was on the Wii. I mean, I had played Call of Duty like my friends growing up had like Xboxes and Playstations and I played. That's how I really played Call of Duty was just mooching off my friends. I'd be <laughs> like, hey, you want to have a sleepover at your house? Because I just have Mario Party. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there there's a little bit of nostalgia there, but. It's interesting you brought that up. They even use like the switch as reasons as to why like it's what's the word I'm looking for. Um, like the Nintendo Switch basically wasn't a competitor to them because of how Call of Duty runs on that system. That it wouldn't even matter 
if it wasn't available on the Switch. There's some truth to that, probably, because we know how those games run on the Switch. And yeah, if and Nintendo knows choose, at the end of the day. Not... Yeah, Nintendo knows at the end of the day their their hardware sells because of their games, not because of activision's games <laughs> no offense yes. to activision their, their their games do wonders on playstation and xbox but third parties have never been the lifeblood of nintendo at least not for a very long time yeah yeah absolutely nintendo's i mean we see the, like our mario kart is still like full price after however many years like yes <laughs> nintendo doesn't even have to do sales on their first party games they make enough off of those sales because it's I mean, it really is a, it's a great console. Nintendo has their their own IPs that do really well. We're seeing a renaissance of Mario games coming out right now. Um, so yeah, they they don't really rely on the third party as much. So then, you know, like Call of Duty, partly because of the player base and again just the 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 revenue that comes in from the now now the season pass and other you know forms of revenue that come in there i could see being most advantageous just to keeping that on as many platforms as possible 15 years from now frankly you know i know you mentioned world of warcraft and overwatch i could see those games staying the same way of like the 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 cost benefit analysis of what does this do for the xbox ecosystem making this exclusive versus making it available to now the 40 plus million people on ps5 and come 10 years from now i'm sure it'll hit the close to 100 million that the playstation 4 did and, and that surpassed 100 million so but all that being said there will be games like if we get a crash bandicoot 5 or a spyro the dragon reboot or um i know Twitter is begging for Raven software to make a, a Hexen uh, revival, which frankly, I don't know a lick about. I didn't know Hexen was a thing before this acquisition started. But my my point is I could see those more fan-driven, very core targeted titles that will get the fanboys excited, if you will. Those being like, hey, if you want this, come come to Xbox. Yeah, you know, I I had been sitting here thinking about what I oh my god, sorry, my cat just bit my necklace and pulled it. <laughs> okay, anyways, that could stay in. That was funny. You're gonna go over there, um, <laughs> like straight up. There's a there's like a pearl. She just wow. bit the pearl and pulled. No no warning. Um. Yeah, I was Your sitting cat's here and I was excited like, for <laughs> Call of Duty on Switch too. <laughs> She's like, "Yes, give it to me." Uh, can't control her excitement. Um. Yeah, I was sitting here and I was like, actually, I don't think I agree with what I had said earlier. I was like thinking about it, and I'm like, I actually don't see them pulling like Overwatch or World of Warcraft exclusive, for the reason I already gave. I'm totally changing my mind here. Um. But having such a massive player base, like. I don't know. We'd have to like do a ton of cost benefit analysis, but it probably does make sense for them to stay on the PlayStation and like other consoles as well. But yeah, the, the non maybe live service kind of games, the new games that will be coming out, um, ones that don't have huge like bases already. I mean, yeah, throw them on game pass. That's, I mean, that's really where Microsoft is throwing like a lot of their games and are relying on the game pass subscription model 
and it's working for them because I am one of the suckers who have purchased Game Pass and never cancel it and probably I absolutely don't use it enough and I'm sure a there are millions of other people doing the same thing. Yeah. And that's the, you know, we haven't talked to, thank you for bringing it up. Like Game Pass, of course, is the huge elephant in the room here, like equation wise about just the prospect of whatever Call of Duty 2024 is um, probably whatever the next Treyarch game is. So, so maybe like, you know, Call of Duty Black Ops, whatever, Cold War 2, Black Ops 6, 5, whatever entry we're on at this point i've lost track <laughs> um but if that's a day one exclusive on game pass sure you can still buy it for 70 bucks on playstation and in switch but if you only need to pay 15 dollars a month uh to have it in perpetuity and you know the real boon here I, and i think some games will get it and some things won't but like um adding in those extra bonuses for playing via xbox ecosystems platforms or especially game pass like we saw that with uh league of legends a couple e3s ago or summer showcases ago where if you played league of legends on pc via game pass you had a bunch of free character unlocks you had a bunch of like regular awards it streamlined the battle pass and i could see the same thing happening for ab's titles of like you know, sure, you might still have to pay for the season pass, but you can join for free and you'll get extra rewards from playing on these platforms. So it'll be really interesting to shake out, but it will be obviously a huge boon for Game Pass when that eventual announcement comes that's like 30 of your most beloved Activision Blizzard titles are coming to Game Pass this week or, or you know, over the next month. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I was doing some research of just like pure speculation of when this will happen. Like the... Bethesda or Zenimax acquisition happened in the fall of 2020, around the same time like this is happening now with AB. And then it was in March of the following year that Skyrim, Fallout 3, Fallout New Vegas, et cetera, et cetera, came to Game Pass. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised come spring of 2024, um, we see a lot of beloved legacy Call of Duty titles, um, Diablo 3, I don't know, um, coming to Game Pass. And, you know, of course, there was a whole swath of speculation caitlin i don't know if you remember these headlines from i think it was august it was it was late this summer when the call of duty games on 360 got a server update and yes. they were all of a sudden made easy to play again and everyone suspected that was you know microsoft and activision in the background prepping these games to be able to be played again via game pass like i I'm signing up for Game Pass if I can do Black Ops Zombies like for $15 a month with all my friends, you know? Oh my God. I <laughs> love Black Ops Zombie. Oh, the nostalgia just hit so hard. Yeah, I forgot about that. I mean, I assumed they, I mean, not even assumed, like we just know they obviously were working behind the scenes in the anticipation that this deal would be going through. Um, so they have probably had things ready for a while now um so i yeah i wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing some major changes happening in the beginning of the year um i'm not sure when their fiscal year ends mm, that good might point. have something to do with it they might wait until the new fiscal year or if they need to make money maybe it's maybe they're just like holding out trying to figure that out still but that's 
That's a good point. Yeah, that would be amazing to be able to go and play those games again. Um, I'm not sure how viable that is with like servers and maybe it's for a short period. I just feel like a lot of people were going to have like that nostalgia hit, go play it and then be like, oh, this feels clunky. This doesn't feel as good. Like I'm just going to play the new one that just came out that has a bunch of the old maps. Like, oh, you want to play Rust? You don't need to go play the old game. It's now in the new one. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's a... Maybe it's something different. Maybe they they like come out with a best of Call of Duty game. It's like, yeah, you want to go oh play a gosh. bunch of old iconic maps? God, I'm just the dream, the wish. I'm just putting that out into the universe. I would love that. That would be great. I don't need a new campaign. I love the campaigns, but like, give me just a best of Call of Duty game. Well, it's pretty telling of where fans' heads are at that Modern Warfare 3, not to be confused with the last Modern Warfare 3, the new one coming out this November, um, has all of the original Modern Warfare 2 maps remastered in it. Um, yeah. Of like, now you're right that like how much of this is just playing to nostalgia versus uh, what people actually will play long term. But that at the end of the day is, I think, one of the key you know selling points of uh, Game Pass in that you can play the newest Call of Duty or your favorite one from a decade ago. Um, and, you know, Phil Spencer and, and Microsoft leadership has has said for a really long time that a goal of theirs is to have a key blockbuster release on Game Pass every quarter. And I think, ne- like, every year I keep thinking we're closer to that reality. And, you know, this year we had a, a pretty disastrous launch with Redfall. Starfield was huge, but... We don't really have that Q4 game, but now that we are adding Activision to the slate and in Blizzard, of course, uh, I think we are ever closer to that becoming a reality. And that's, I think, what ultimately keeps people subscribed is that carrot perpetually at the end of the stick of like, oh, I subscribed for Call of Duty 2024, but oh man, Fable is out next month or next quarter from... Uh, playground games and then rare has their game out then you know that's the promise yeah. right the, yeah the, the last, promise well yeah the we'll promise right actually comes happens the other kind of you know you mentioned king with mobile the other thing i'm interested to see shake out is what game pass looks like or just xbox and microsoft's mobile um play looks like now that they have King under their suite, because obviously Microsoft has made a few plays at mobile in the past, but none of it ever has come close to the success that King has had with their, their casual mm-hmm. games market. And Microsoft offers, you know, cloud streaming via game pass ultimate. And so I wonder if um, they double down on adding to the value of game pass ultimate on mobile um, with King's titles of like, you know, no more, no longer do you have to uh, wait for your level hearts to recharge. If you fail too many times, like you just have unlimited levels of play. If you're paying, I think 1499 a month for game pass ultimate. Uh, And then on top of that, then you get the cloud streaming for Forza motorsport, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't know. Just the, the whole tide of the ecosystem raises with this and i'm fascinated to see exactly how it plays out i that's such a good like thought 
question. I could see them wanting to do that. I can also see Apple absolutely having a problem with that. That's great point. Because they're missing out on that revenue. Like we've already seen that. We th- That's why like Netflix, if you open the Netflix app on your mobile phone, um, which I did just recently, I can't remember even why I was looking up. Oh, I was looking up a show and I hadn't opened Netflix mobile in a long time. But the very beginning, before like you even get into the shows, it's a bunch of mobile games. Like, and we know that Netflix is, they're trying to target the mobile market. Um, I am hopeful for that. I, I think it's actually a good move for them. But when you go to click on the games, you can't play the games through the Netflix app. Um, Apple forced them to, you have to go download the game through Apple so that they can get that revenue that you, that you, whenever you purchase something in a mobile game. If Xbox tried to be like, hey, Instead of you like purchasing things in the app that's part of that revenue, 30% of that will go to Apple. Why don't you just buy Game Pass just through us and then you don't have to pay anything? I I don't know the legalities of if there's anything like Apple can do there, but I do see them pushing back on that. I'm not an expert, so I, I don't even know what my thoughts are there if that's like something that Apple has the right to do if that changes anything, but that is a very good question that problem you have, uh, arised. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a, the, a Apple is the, uh, the, 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 the big man standing in the door there. You're totally right. Yeah. Cause we've seen it with Epic trying to do it. And that led to the whole court case. Um, yeah, Netflix is honestly, I feel like the biggest hurdle to their, their game services is, is it's just a little too complicated. Like you have to open the app, find the games menu and then it sends you back to the app store for a free download. And I mean, I'm sure that the dream for Microsoft here is just to have their own marketplace on phones where people can download Candy Crush or cloud versions of whatever the newest Xbox game studios title is. So yeah, that's uh, I don't know what the solution is there. Yeah. I don't, I don't think the, the legal system has caught up to that yet. I I could see there being a future where it's like a independent storefront. But then that also means like, I'm just thinking Apple. I think it wouldn't be so much a problem on Android phones, but Apple has such like privacy as their like number one selling point for their system. Like you get a phone, like it's everything that's advertised by Apple is like often they talk about privacy and that is one of their major like, points about managing their own app store is they can approve every app that's on there and what gets sold to just like so that there's not viruses or like uh, just a bunch of bad shit that could be on an app store um but that also means that like we have the situation with like netflix and xbox and it's like it's not an ideal scenario and it's a hurdle and is there a way to overcome that? Or is it just something we have to live with and figure out? Yeah, because of course the the unspoken thing there is that uh, Apple doesn't want anybody stepping on Apple Arcade, which is their subscription service. And obviously that Game too. Pass and Netflix games is a competitor to that. Microsoft just buy Apple. I'm just... <laughs> um, I mean, that's pretty much all my thoughts on... I mean, 
all my thoughts. That's the, the, the hottest stuff I wanted to get off my plate. If it, Unless you had anything else to say, I yeah. mean, there's another acquisition we can discuss. There, there is. Um, I, I did. Do you have any thoughts on the like whole cloud gaming aspect of this? Like, what do you think Microsoft doesn't have a lot of faith in the future of cloud gaming, and that's why they're like, just we're like, sure, we'll just give it to Ubisoft. Like, knowing even though they probably like presented it as like, there's probably going to be a ton of growth and all this stuff. Pers- I'll let you talk and then I'll give my thoughts. No, it's a great question. And and one I almost moved on from partly because I feel like it's, it feels so nebulous and ethereal right now. I mean, like cloud gaming is better than it's ever been. And my take, my read on this is that it will only continue to get better. And that this is just a very, very long-term play by Microsoft. Like you said, 10 years is a long time, but it will go by faster than we think like I am playing Super Mario 3D World right now and that's a game that came out 10 years ago doesn't feel like it came out 10 years ago imagine where cloud gaming will be in 10 years the infrastructure of it the accessibility of it where people can play it you know not just in in major urban centers hopefully um in 10 years when Microsoft gets the rights to all of these games back um via cloud streaming uh, and in the meantime Microsoft will by no means stop investing in their cloud infrastructure. Azure's, you know, a great revenue driver for them just from like a B2B perspective. And, and that helps power their gaming uh, systems and, and uh, programs that they have with Game Pass Ultimate. So while I think they will continue pushing cloud gaming, especially on phones, and I know that's something they lean into in international markets where like console gaming isn't as accessible, like, you know, play these games from the cloud on your phone that will continue to be a narrative for them. Uh, and then come 10 years from now, when ideally you can just play the newest mainline call of duty game on your phone, um, easier than ever on cloud, then Microsoft will have the rights back to it. I don't know if that's like too much of a galaxy brain thing here, but I, I think it was, it's less so a, lack of faith and more so just a we can wait this out <laughs> kind of play yeah i know that that's pretty much kind of my thoughts um i i'll talk just like from the u.s perspective um our infrastructure is not there and it's not. we're so behind on updating our infrastructure like i live in los angeles and i have terrible internet like terrible i you have frozen like four times doing this podcast (laughs) like my internet sucks i've done everything i can i have two internet services right now because i had the wired and i'm i think i'm gonna have to stick with that and then verizon was like oh we're offering the 5g internet you take a like a box it's not we're not doing the wired it's just 5g like wireless internet and i was like cool let me try it horrible like there's i can't stream Fortnite without like it just it drops immediately. I I can't do anything on the five G internet through Verizon. Um, part of that just might be where my building is, but also like our infrastructure is just so out of date. Like, and that's across the United States. It's huge. Like, think about all the telephone poles. Like everything that they have to update for us to even be able to like consider cloud gaming a viable form of gaming like yeah i i think it's more than 10 years out i think it, there has to be like 
something's got to pass in Congress to force us to get up to date. And well, we know that's not going to happen. So, cause they're focused on things that don't matter. Yeah. And I think in the meantime, it's advantageous for Microsoft per the, the CMA's fears of, of, of how Ubisoft ended up with these rights in the first place to not quash competition when there are still much still so much work to do that competition in the cloud gaming space is advantageous in the long run for microsoft for a bunch of big companies to be trying to make this happen to invest or um encourage um the infrastructure in order to make this happen so that you know when hopefully it comes back around to microsoft having these games it's a better time than ever to cloud game versus like within the next 10 years, Microsoft just kills any other people trying to make it happen. And then cloud gaming dies on the vine. Meanwhile, it's actually great that like Amazon, Ubisoft, Netflix, I believe is dabbling in cloud gaming. I, I might be wrong on that. Um, but I know like Capcom has released cloud versions of their games, et cetera, et cetera. Like the more people that are trying to make this happen is in the long run, at least, or I should say in the short term, good for Microsoft. Yes. <laughs> A day ago, Netflix cloud gaming service begins okay. test in the U.S. You must have there just we go. seen this. I might have made that up. I don't know, but uh, I'm glad it's well, true. It, well, you spoke it into existence, and it <laughs> came out a day ago. At, like We had other things that we've spoken into existence. Um, yeah, well, I think, I think we've said our piece on the Microsoft stuff. Um, I'm sure yes, it won't like be the last said, time we talk about it. <laughs> no, it definitely won't be. Um, We'll have more thoughts. I'll completely change my mind on everything I've already said because <laughs> new information comes out. And hey, that's a good thing. You can always change your mind on things. The more information you learn, just you can change your mind. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk about another acquisition. This one that is a rumor. Um, not not sure like how much weight is behind it, but we can talk a little bit about it. Most people have probably already seen it, but yeah, Bloomberg recently reported that Disney executives are allegedly pushing the CEO, Bob Iger, to get back into the gaming publishing businesses business by buying EA. Now, I think there was some other rumors going around that it may not be a EA. I can't say EA for some reason, but EA is the name that is coming up the most often. Now, Disney has not really been in the video game publishing space for a while. They basically just sell out their IPs to other studios and have them manage that. Um, Disney has not had a great track record with their games. Like besides Jedi Survivor and Fallen Order with EA and then the Spider-Man games with Sony, which is like just 100% because Sony is amazing. Um, Disney has doesn't really have a great track record. So I, I don't know how much I believe this. I don't know if it's a good idea for Disney. I really don't. I like I just don't think they have what it takes and know enough about the gaming industry. Um, I don't know. What what are your thoughts on the rumor? Do you think that this is something that they are actively like looking into and that they might do? What do you think about it being EA? Is there another like publisher they should be looking at? Personally, I think EA makes the most sense, but there are very few uh major publishers left that have not been scooped up. I was reading games this morning. Um 
talking about the, just the you know the aftermath of the micro uh, Microsoft Activision um, Blizzard acquisition closing, and it just in the U.S. it's just EA and Take Two. Um, now I know I was. I uh, I don't I'm not going to get the years right, but at least a decade ago, if not longer, it was no. I, I believe it was at least 15 years ago because it was before Grand Theft Auto 4 just exploded. Um, EA was actually trying to acquire Take Two. Um, so I mean, in terms of the U.S., I, I think those are the only two options uh, for Disney. Of course, like Ubisoft is has had um, you know its issues the last couple of years, but the um, Yves Guimauve and his family has um, tried and succeeded for years to remain independent. They they fought off a hostile takeover um, from Vivendi um, several years ago. So I don't, I don't foresee that happening with Disney. But at least with EA and Take-Two, I believe these conversations have at least happened because things are uh, a little choppy in the, the House of Mouse right now. Um, like subscriber growth hasn't been everything they've wanted from disney plus they're adding ads to the platform um they're talking about making major cuts or straight up selling off their cable divisions um and so i could foresee you know somebody in a boardroom throwing out the idea of what's you know if cable is dead what's a a tech space that we can get into that's growing gaming and what's the quickest way to to grow or just to uh cut right into the business make a major acquisition um but that's the I disney like mo you, said, you know it's, it's fox marvel you're 100 percent right lucasfilm uh yeah. but you you nailed it that like disney has tried in-house publishing before um even if you, they look at their licensing gaming deals right now for every i mean the games have largely been good that's I think the 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 tough thing they should look at is like even when Guardians of the Galaxy from Eidos Montreal is great, not just in my opinion, just you know net at large, but is still a commercial failure. Like that, I think should scare any major corporation away from getting into a space that generating hits is by no means um, just a, a science. There's also an art to it that. Um, can be easy to fail. I'm trying to think of like, you know, Battlefront 2, largely a good game at its bones, but a game that largely killed the, the loot box and caused regulators <laughs> to look into the gaming industry. Like Disney can just look at their own games to like take a step back and be like, do we really want to do this? Didn't Battlefront 2 also launch with like tons of bugs? I feel like that launch True. was just yes, messy. Yes, it was a messy game. Yeah. Because I, I played it, did I play it last year, the year before? I maybe, if, maybe it's been a few years. But I played it like years after it came out because just I remember that launch being disastrous. So, and that, yeah, that's EA. EA is just like, I don't, they're just so hit or miss. I mean, some of their games are great. Like, I really love the Jedi Survivor Fallen Order games. But yeah, Battlefront 2 to me was like, it was fine. Like, I, I don't know. It, it was okay. They had, wasn't the Star Wars Squadrons their game as well? The, the flight sim game, yeah. The flight sim. Or the arcade flight game. Yeah, it's, well, yeah. I I just was still a, game. a little like, too I can't realistic even really like, the, yeah, yeah, I was like, I don't even think I can actually fault them for that. I think I am just bad at that game. Um, and then there's the other Star Wars game by 
the director, writer, Amy Hennig. Mm. I might be pronouncing her last name wrong. Nope. Yeah, you got formerly it. Of, yeah, formerly of Naughty Dog. Um, yeah, her Star Wars game was shut down. So I, I just, I don't know. But they do have two Marvel games. Maybe there's more. But there's the Iron Man title and Black Panther that EA is working on. I am interested in those to see how those turn out. But I don't know. To me, I, I just would like to see Disney games continue to just, like, just give other publishers um, exclusive, not exclusivity rights, but just sell your IP to them. Because, yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about EA being the publisher for all Disney games. Yeah, there's some apps and, and, and like smart reporting from Bloomberg and others that EA recently restructured their business um, under EA Entertainment, and I forget what the sports division is, but EA Entertainment has like um, DICE, you know, makers of Battlefield and Respawn, the makers of the Star Wars Jedi games. Meanwhile, it might just be EA Sports. I I'll look it up it right is. after this just to – okay. Um that like in some ways that makes them right for maybe not a full acquisition, but a partial acquisition. Like maybe Disney is just interested in the entertainment division for making star Wars games, or there's also some people speculating. I mean, the sports division makes sense because of ESPN. Um, but that, that reorganization from EA was partly done. If an acquisition deal was ever um, attractive enough that it would make it easier um, but with all that being said, I agree with you that I think Disney has the like I I, I think they were on the money a decade ago as crushing as it was to get out of the in-house game development business because you have to be all in on it or or nothing else like because having your foot halfway in the door leads to projects that meander and have visions that aren't supported like, you know, you read Jason Schreier's book about the making of Epic Mickey and I, I love that game for what it is, but it did not like get enough light of the day from the Disney Corporation at the time. And when Disney bought Lucasfilm in the late in the early 2010s and they canceled Star Wars 1313, um, which was the we ended up learning later would, would have begun, become a Boba Fett game um, again, partly because that just wasn't the focus of their business. So I think, like you said, licensing their games off to companies where gaming is their business and it is their sole focus uh, is best for all of them because Disney gets a cut of the revenue. Their IP and, and brands are touted as, in the case of Spider-Man 2, the biggest PlayStation game of the fall. And whether the games live or die doesn't really affect Disney all that much. It falls more on like Square Enix in the case of Marvel's Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> Yeah, um, I agreed. And also, I wanted to give a shout out to a game that I totally forgot about, but the Disney Illusion Island. Disney, yeah, Disney Illusion Island. Like, yeah, continue to just give your IP to studios who know what they're doing and let them make great games. But also a game that I don't think was marketed enough because um, it's fantastic and not enough people have tried it. Um yeah, I don't know. I think I think the house of mouse is just trying to get their grubby little fingers on everything, and yeah, as someone who's like and who like loves Disney in a lot of ways, like yes, I love going to Disneyland and Disney World, and I love Marvel and Star Wars. Um, 
I don't have a lot of faith in them currently. And with the, just like with the strikes too, I don't know. They're just, they're a company that I, I don't know what they're doing personally. Um, yeah. And you have I to wonder think, like, Oh, go on. I was just gonna say, I don't think they do either, but go ahead. No, I, I you have to wonder also tying into our last conversation, bringing up both Microsoft and Netflix where subscriptions are so at the core of, of, of what they're trying to do with gaming right now. Like, is there a Disney plus play here of, um, similar to Netflix bundling games with their subscription platform that, you know, should Disney get into games? Is this a way to uh, really boost the Disney Plus platform? In my opinion, I don't think that's the the, the savviest of moves. Uh, but uh, or at least I don't, I don't I think loses the the target audience of what Disney Plus is um, aiming for, uh, which is like casual families. But regardless, um, I, I'm sure that was you know something that came up in conversation about what a deal like this could mean for their subscription services. Yeah. It'll just be an excuse for them to raise their yearly price for Disney plus <laughs> another like hundred dollars. Remember when it was just $7? Th- yeah. What? Oh, it's $14 now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the fastest any, any streaming service I think has raised their prices and I am not paying that. <laughs> That's crazy for a service that I only use. Like, okay, Ahsoka comes out. I'll watch it. Um, Loki season two. I'll probably eventually watch it. I, I don't know what they're doing with their Marvel shows. I think they're disasters. I'm <laughs> just in a cynical mood today. Um, I would read the Hollywood <laughs> Reporter article that came out last week, which indicates that they don't know what they're doing either <laughs> over at Marvel Television. Cool. I am going to look that up right now because yeah. Yeah, just no faith. And I don't think many people have faith. And then they're like, hey, you want to pay more for us? Too bad. Or I mean, like, yeah, congrats. You now have the, to. The TLDR on that story for people who didn't read it and also just to kind of tie a bow on uh, this this game's conversation again, talking about how uh, if you're going to go into this, you need to be all in on it. Uh Disney had shot seven episodes of the Daredevil Born Again series and they scrapped it and are are redoing it from from scratch uh, and, and to the loss of one hundred and fifty million dollars. And hey, better on them for recognizing that it's not going to be good and, you know, starting over so that they do make a product that people like. Um, but clearly uh you know the wheels are not all tightened on the on the marvel uh car <laughs> at the moment you know what's crazy what they said those first seven episodes were was like it was like a law procedural show i would absolutely watch a daredevil law procedural show and i'm like oh are they gonna make him like i i just if they go in the direction of how the netflix show was yes give it to me i need it i like the dark gritty catholic guilt of daredevil in the netflix daredevil show if they're gonna go with the like funny like weird i don't know how over daredevil is and like she hulk and (laughs) spider-man and like hawkeye version i don't really want it (laughs) i like i just ah i don't know It, it feels kitschy like very i was about to say comic booky but like that's not even true because not all comic books are like that. But I don't know. 
Maybe I'm just getting old. <laughs> uh, I I wonder that every day. I'm like, is it is it just not is it just not for me anymore? Or is it yeah, not as good? Like, is it just like is this just for like kids now? And like, that is something I try to remind myself for a lot of these things. I'm like, okay, this is like for kids first. It should be in some ways, but also like, I don't know. It, it's hard to reconcile that fact with when we've had the Daredevil netflix show and just what a phenomenal show that was and much more adult i don't i don't know i don't know how i feel even yeah are they just throwing 150 million dollars away to like make something that feels like what they've already been making then yeah i'm i don't feel good about that yeah anyways okay i think that's i think that's our, our piece on disney buying ea um We'll we'll talk about it more once we if something more comes to fruition there. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see what Bob Iger decides to do before he retires, if he ever does again. <laughs> There's an awesome uh, CNBC profile of him about how he loves two shower days. He's like, I, I live to be in the office and and have like to work so long that I have to take two showers. He's addicted, Caitlin. I don't think he's ever stepping down. What do you mean two showers? <laughs> What are you doing in, the- in your work? What are you doing <laughs> in your work day? That makes you like just that gross. I don't know. He <laughs> I have the lives for him. <laughs> yeah, no, that man's a workaholic. It's I can't believe they don't have someone better. Um, speaking of CEOs, <laughs> let's close our next up. topic. Yeah, <laughs> our final story this week uh, comes from Polygon. Uh, Susanna Paulo writes. Unity CEO out following widely criticized pricing model update. Unity CEO John Riccatello has retired effective immediately as of Monday. So this was last week at the time of you listening. As president, CEO, chairman, and member of the company's board of directors, according to a news release from the game engine developer. The move comes weeks after the disastrous announcement of Unity's new runtime fee pricing model attracted widespread condemnation across the game development community and necessitated a swift climb down from the company. Um, of course, we talked about this on our episode with Joseph Bradford a few weeks ago. So, Kate, we, we won't go super long on this because there's still, I think that's the key takeaway here is that there's there's still so much that needs to be done um, in the Unity situation that this is, I mean, a, a good first step um, of like a recompense that had to be paid. Um, but I figured since this was such a core topic of that episode a few weeks ago that um, delivering an update would be a good idea. Yeah. I, I Like my thoughts, I like sat here and tried to think of what I wanted to say other than the damage is done. Like that anybody who has worked with Unity or was going to in the future probably no longer wants to work with, with Unity. Like that reputation that they have now set for themselves, it's irreputable. Like, if you're a game developer, even with a new CEO, why would you want to go work with Unity? Like, I I just, it's baffling to me. It shouldn't be from, because, like, <laughs> reading about, like, their CEO and last year, oh, I don't even, I don't remember where it was. So he called, like, all game developers, like, fucking idiots and then had to publicly apologize for that. Like, this man doesn't value game developers, um, the people who have gave him a career and salary, like, I don't know, D- that mentality to me just like, did it trickle down 
within the rest of Unity? Like, are they going to roll back the terms and conditions of, I mean, they've already done some, like, are they going to have to do it even more? I, I don't know. It's, if I was anybody yeah. making a game, I would be looking for any other company to work with. Agre- yeah. Uh, in the following up uh, on what you said about the changes they have made. Um, so the runtime fee controversy, which again was all focused around charging developers based on how many times their game was installed. They've scrapped that in the weeks following after the episode we did with Joseph Bradford a couple of weeks ago. Um, they announced that instead there are going to be two thresholds um, when their monetization fee does kick in. Um, after a developer has crossed either a million dollars in gross revenue over the past 12 months, sorry, not or, and one million initial engagements. Um, and that they would, between these, um, then they would... Uh, there's a lot of nuance to the updated policies themselves, but the main takeaway is that only developers that make more than a million dollars and have more than one million installs will have to pay up, either via the 2.5% revenue share or the calculated runtime fee, which is, again, um, charges per engagements, not installs. And Unity said that they would pick whatever the lower amount between the two is, whether it's the 2.5% revenue share or the calculated runtime fee. Just uh, if anybody's wondering, how does that compare to the other major engine, uh, Unreal Engine? Uh, they take a 5% of gross revenue on your product after it generates 1 million USD. Now, of course, um, everybody understandably feels like uh, Epic is a lot more invested in people using their engine than Unity is because they're not calling uh, the people who don't... The, the, the quote was, if you don't think about uh, monetization, you're you're stupid um, from the Unity <laughs> CEO. So again, the, these changes are good starts, but at the end of the day, the, the, the problem with Unity is that they're clearly trying to find a way to become profitable because they're still a revenue, you know, a, a profit losing business and uh i'm not exactly sure this is going to fix that and they're a publicly traded company correct exactly yeah so So the cat's a little out of the bag so it doesn't it doesn't change yeah it doesn't change anything there's still a board of directors and shareholders that their ceo had to report to and now their interim ceo has to report to not nothing's going to change like those people are still looking to make money. I mean, obviously it's that's what's different between them and like like you said Epic who is not a publicly traded company. They do not have investors that they're trying to make happy. Um yeah, I I just I don't think things are going to change with Unity. I wouldn't be surprised if they just get better PR on how to word things and roll out <laughs> messaging and updates, but yeah, they're they're going to do everything they can to get more money from people, which I, I, in a way it's like, I can't fault them for that. Cause they are a company that like companies need to make money to survive, but just the way they've gone about it is disgusting. Yeah. Clearly. I mean, if they want to improve their relations with their partners, creating a, I think a, like a justice league board of, of, like super unity users of like you know the the slay the spire devs and um like another crab's treasure devs just like you know these very vocal developers that have made their careers off of learning this engine and like consulting them on future changes because these changes are going to keep coming but if 
they continue to come out of nowhere and completely changing how businesses are structured and and developers are expecting their revenues to work in the coming years like everybody's going to keep jumping ship um and that that's you know the problem at the end of the day there was a a great piece from game industry.biz which i'll link called uh unity's crisis is much bigger than john riccatello um, I'll read the one of the closing quotes here, which is just that if Unity's next CEO is going to restore trust among developers, if such a thing is even possible anymore, their first task is going to have to be putting the company onto a stable enough financial footing to actually be able to make any kind of credible long-term promises. But that in itself will be a painful process. Riccatello's departure draws a line under nothing. Unity's crisis is still just beginning. Um, yeah, um, they made a lot of big acquisitions and thrown their money a lot in the last couple of years, like acquiring Weta Digital, just just things that show that they're not as invested as uh, in making the most out of their engine that they're, they're known for and uh, showing that they're actually invested in making it better and supporting the people who use it, I think is the first step. Yeah. And like, I don't, you're just, you changed, they tried to change everything for what they were like as a great entry tool for developers like a cheap way to make games for people who do not have the money to make them and yes like maybe unity could have made a premier version of their engine for companies that make tons of money and can afford to pay a price for an engine to just like roll that out and be like hey everybody has to do this from now on you have completely changed the core purpose of your business and who your clients are and have been just alienated and ruined your relationships of all your current clients. It's there, there could have been a way about this. I think again, I'm not a game developer and I don't work at unity and I don't know how this business works. Um, I just talk about it and pretend like I do. Uh, (laughs) Just kidding. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, I think that damage is done. And I don't see a way of them repairing it. Yeah, a lot of work, a lot of work still to be done. Again, the John Rictel stepping down is is just the uh, <laughs> the bare minimum. <laughs> yeah, and that was probably a hundred percent decided by the board, who was like, "This will raise our stock prices, and we'll make money off you stepping down because of this major mistake that we probably forced you into making to begin with." But doesn't matter. And yeah, that's what I mean, for what it's stock, stock prices rose. Exactly. I mean, for what it's worth, the interim CEO is the head of one of the private equity firms that is a major stakeholder in Unity. So it, it's not exactly <laughs> like it's nobody in house. Uh, yeah. Nobody who is <laughs> understands. But the guy in charge the, who's going to make us the most money. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think for now, this is just a story we're going to have to follow. But uh, all this goes to say is like <laughs> you can you can do certain things to to make a show of change, but then the change actually has to be done. Yeah. Well, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll talk about it again. We'll have maybe we'll have some people on who who know a little bit more than my little brain, my smooth brain, empty brain. <laughs> I'm feeling wild today, guys. <laughs> it's end of day. It's almost 5 p.m. Uh, this is, this is just how I am. 
people watching right, the video well, version have got to see the sunset uh <laughs> from my view <laughs> i was just thinking that i was like oh my god you're like in a very dark room now and it looks sad <laughs> yeah you can see yeah, the, the the dusk twilight has settled outside my window i'll throw a light on right oh, after this i can't believe it's that time of year now where it's like six, it's so sad it's, oh it's almost 7 p.m for you yeah still but still That's though like i mean the sunset Two months ago, it would have been light out until like 7.30 or 8. I miss it. I miss it already. <laughs> and then, oh gosh, right. the time's going to change in two weeks, and then it's going to be dark by like 5 here. Uh, anyway, I don't oh, need I people. People don't that. need to listen to me complain about daylight savings, uh. but oh, I'm going to be so sad. No, let's, let's talk about daylight savings and how it's <laughs> terrible, and we shouldn't have it. And what is it, like Arizona that has it right? Get rid of daylight savings. We don't need There's it anymore. There's a bill. Sign the bill. I, sign it. It's dangerous for kids. <laughs> it messes up my sleep schedule. My body hates me for it. It's like the circadian rhythm is like freaks out and then it doesn't fix itself until the time changes back again. I hate it. Get rid of it. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> this has been real-time strategy. <laughs> this has been real-time strategy, a game... A podcast game, a podcast all about the gaming industry, except for when it's not. I'm going to start like <laughs> signing off with that. I think I like it. Um, Sam, where could people find you? You can find me everywhere at Sam Scott Mosier, including on the movie uh, platform Letterboxd, where I will hopefully be seeing Killers of the Flower Moon uh, by the next time we have our next episode. <gasps> oh my gosh! Yes, I can't wait. Um, I am going to give everybody a recommendation on a movie I watched last night called Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. Great I, title. <laughs> you could find it on YouTube. Jesus saves some lesbians from vampires. It is the best worst movie I've ever seen. Like better than The Room. And it's actually like smart dumb. Um, <laughs> Jesus has two earrings. He looks like the evil guy from Alvin and the Chipmunks. I, Sign said. me up you got to watch it. Uh, you could find me on at Caitlin Redwing on all platforms, including Letterboxd, where I log movies like that, because what else am I going to do on a Monday night? Um, you can find the podcast at Realtime Strats on Twitter, X, and on our YouTube channel, Realtime Strategy. You can email us at podcast at triplepointpr.com if you got a guess for us or topics you want us to talk about. Let us know, feedback, anything. You want to like ask me for some movie recs? I'll talk to you. Just kidding. Don't actually do that. You can just message me personally. Um, yeah, but until next time, thanks for listening and watching, and we'll see you again. <laughs>